son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It goes down. Go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club. You feeling loose? You feeling ready? Feeling ready to get into this? We've got a late start and we've got a long way to go. Not interested. (laughs) Should we just jump right into it? Because we've got some fucking housekeeping before we move into the main affair. Okay. Before we serve the main dish, the plat du jour, uh-huh. which is a, a serving of Jesse Romsey mm-hmm. and Mademoiselle Noel. Mm-hmm. We have housekeeping? Yeah, we got housekeeping. What is it? And? We just do it at the top? No. We do housekeeping at the top? Do you want me to introduce the podcast first? What if it's someone's first episode ever? <laughs> if it's your first episode ever, you've made a mistake. <laughs> I think most podcasts uh-huh. probably do housekeeping at the end. No, we're going to do housekeeping at the top. What if it's someone's first show? Okay, well, I can introduce a show, and then we'll do the housekeeping, and then we'll talk about the book. You want to do that? Yeah, but that still doesn't help if it's someone's first show. It's like, hey, welcome to the show. Here's some housekeeping. Um, we got a book from Anne. How do you know what housekeeping I'm going to do? Because I saw you holding the book. I think that if it's someone's first show, they're like, oh, there's a lot of depth to this. Okay. They think we have – this indicates history. This indicates history. How how did they get a book from Anne? Nice. Okay, I'm in. I feel like we've teased it enough now. Listen, we got a book from Anne. Well, what we actually got, we got a communication from Anne. She she went around Scholastic's lawyers. From Anne? She found a way. M. Martin. Yeah. And we got this communication today in the mail. I have mail. to assume that the only reason she hasn't contacted us before now is because of Scholastic's lawyers. 100%. But she found a way to, like, she found a way. heroes out a message. Yeah. And we're going to have to figure out how to interpret it. The way that she found to us, the way that Anne M. Martin found to give us a little message is through dedicated 
Baby B Crystal. Yeah, thank you, Crystal. Thank you, Crystal. You're I a got national this treasure. You are a national treasure, Crystal. I got this package in the mail in my house this morning. It's weird that you gave one of the Baby Nation our your home address. And what did she do with it? She conveyed a message to us from Anne. Sometimes you have to trust. You have to trust Tanner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you keep giving out your address. <laughs> you got to learn to trust. So Baby B Crystal sent us a graphic novel of the Babysitter's Club, Christie's Great Idea. Uh-huh. I'm looking at the cover now. It's it looks it's nice. Like it I... looks cool. It looks fun. I'm interested in giving it a, a look. I don't even need to read. Just look at the pictures. That's what they do these days, the kids. Oh, okay. You get these books, you just look at the pictures. Crystal uh. sent us a note with a book. I'm showing it to you now. It says, Happy, Happy reading. reading. That's pretty good. Smiley. Crystal. And Anne wrote something inside the book. AMM. As well. Princeton Zone. AMM. It's the first communication that we have from Anne to us. To us, not to Crystal. To us. She wrote this inside this book for us that Crystal sent to us. Are you ready? Yes, I'm, I'm she, giddy. She writes, inside the cover the fir- cover page says, The Babysitter's Club, Christie's Great Idea. Anne wrote that. No, that's what, well, she did write that, but that's that's what the typesetter has uh, put. Uh, uh, Everyone yeah, yeah, sees yeah. that. Okay. But our copy is different. Okay. Because written in pen underneath it are the words... Anne M. Martin. Nothing else. That, Jack? Yeah. That could literally mean anything. Anything. It's so like her to be cryptic this way. I've looked up some anagrams. I I was literally navigating on my phone... Right now to anagramfinder.com. Yeah. Wordsmith.org slash anagram. Yeah. Is where I was headed. Anagram. Okay. (laughs) If she spelled her name with an E, we could get Tanner out of it. That's suspicious. So she signed her name to the title page. She's given us her secret name. But what is... Oh, she's granted us access. Obviously, the scholastic lawyers are breathing down her neck. Yeah, they don't want her to reveal too much to us. They don't want her to reveal too much. But she got a message out anyway. She got a message out. She got something out to us. And I know you're listening. We hear you. Yeah. We hear you. We're still working on deciphering it. Maybe next time, Anne, just give us just (laughs) a little bit more. Just just a littlest bit more. Maybe like accidentally misspell your name, throw an extra E in there. So it's, what was it, Tanner's mom? Yeah, Tanner's mom. <laughs> yeah. All right, like, well. My name is Anne with an E now. Yeah. Wink. Yeah, exactly. All right, that's some housekeeping. Hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club, Club. a podcast in which I, Jack Shepard, talk about the classic novels of Princeton's Zone, Saint, and Matthews Martin, Stormborn, also a princess. By honorary <laughs> title only. By decree. <laughs> um, this week we read a book that was called Jesse and the Dance School Phantom. Do you want to describe the book for the Baby Nation? 
Yeah, do we have any other business we want to take care of first? No, we took care of a lot of business. Okay. Let's say what happened What's in these going books. What's in your life lately? Anything exciting? Uh, I feel like people are in these podcasts more like as much for me and you as for the books. I don't think so, man. Is there anything to catch up on? I think they listen to these podcasts despite me and you. Hmm. Anyone could be hosting this. Anyone could be hosting this. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that hurts to hear as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> just feeling really glum now. <laughs> okay. Let me suggest something to you that might lift your spirits a little bit. Okay. W- let's play a game. You want to play a game? The game is a game in which we both take turns describing what happened in this book. Mm-hmm. What do you say? I'm I'm into it. Okay. I've played this game before, and I always do win, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to add a little twist to it. Okay. I'm going to describe this book based on something that I thought up earlier. Okay. And then I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock. Yeah, it's not a twist. We do that every week. And you're going to describe the book. Yeah. Just kind of extemporaneously. Says you. <laughs> Did you notice? What? I don't know how you're reading these. On my computer. My copy of the book was much longer this week. Yeah, same. I think this is the longest Babysitter's Club book so far. It was almost as long as a super special. Yeah, it was a long fucking book. That's pretty brutal, Anne. Yeah. Anna's saying something. We got to get through these at least once or twice yeah. a week. Anne, I know you're listening, and thank you for your message. We read you loud and clear. Yeah. But also, dude, keep these short. We have to read at least one a week. Yeah. <laughs> like last week we read two. Next week we're reading two. Right. So do I get it. Sometimes there's more co- hot, hot content you need to put in there. And brevity is the soul of wit. Yep. You know who said that? Anne and Martin. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, practice what you preach, Anne. Yeah. Um, Here's what we're going to do. The bard. Gonna, the bard. Do Anne we call her Martin. the bard? I think so. Yeah. That's who people mean when they say the bard, right? <laughs> who actually said brevity is a solo it? Probably Shakespeare. The bard. The bard. Anne. Anne. Um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to describe the book. Are you ready? I'm going to guess it was either Shakespeare or... Are you Google- You're Googling your own fucking cliche that you said to fill time so I couldn't... Jack, you ever hear of a play called Hamlet? Yeah, I'm familiar with it. Second act, Polonius says, since brevity is the soul of wit... In tediousness, the limbs and outward flourishes, I will be brief. Do you know who Polonius is? Yep. A big, fucking, annoying, tedious asshole in the play Hamlet. Yeah. So, welcome to Polonius Town, Tanner. Listen, (laughs) I'm going to describe this book. You ready, sir? Yeah. My description begins thusly. Someone is watching Jesse dance. Which makes sense, since she's a young ballet prodigy who's just landed a part that is the envy of every dancer she knows. But as she trains for the biggest show of her life, Jessie discovers that not everyone is as pleased about her success as she is. Someone is watching Jessie dance. And if she's not very careful indeed, her next dance could be her last Someone is also having a pet show. Yeah. Jesse and the dance school Phantom. I can't help but feel uh-huh. that since the schism, mm-hmm. and Baby B's, the schism is when Anna Martin stopped being the primary author of these books and instead became a advisor mm-hmm. to a staple of secondary writers. Mm-hmm. The A-plots and the B-plots of these books... <laughs> have 
zero to two for another. <laughs> and yeah. this book, like, it especially came through. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, this is two books. This is two different books. Yeah. And they just happen to exist on the same pages together. Yeah. I really tried to weave them together in my description, and I just couldn't I couldn't make it work. I'm sorry that you noticed it. I it's, did my it's, best. It's been pretty bad lately. Yeah. It's been an epidemic. And maybe Scholastic's lawyers finally get off their lazy asses and start, like, holding these junior writers to their contracts. Yeah. But it's been choppy waters lately. I mean, unless what Anne is trying to do this week is to make us draw parallels between this pet show that happens and this dance recital that happens. There are no parallels. Well, that's something I'm hoping to tease out. But before we do so, sir, I'm going to put 60 seconds on a clock that is both big and bad, what I like to call a big bad clock. Yeah, one second. Let me pull up the plot synopsis for Black Swan. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Don't you dare. (laughs) And during those 60 seconds... You will tell the Baby Nation exactly what happened in this book. All the details that I neglected in my beautiful description, you're going to fill in. I'm going to start. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm going to start now. 60 seconds beginning now. Jesse Ramsey is a ballerina living in Stony Brook, Connecticut, mm-hmm. um, whose life, uh, like all of those in her profession, is completely consumed with dance. Mm-hmm. She lives with her obsessive, her obsessive Aunt Cecilia, who exerts a suffocating control over her. Yep. When artistic director um, Mademoiselle Mademoiselle Noel Noel uh, decides to replace um, Winona Ryder's character, <laughs> <laughs> can I start over? This doesn't work as well as I thought it would. Do you, yeah, you want to start again? <laughs> it's getting good. Do you want to start over? Yeah, I'll start over. I'm going to call a mulligan on that one. I was just reading the plot synopsis. <laughs> so you want me to give you another 60 seconds? Yes, please. Do you promise to just describe the book? I'll just describe the book. Let me pull up the plot synopsis for Phantom of the Opera. Right <laughs> <laughs> now I'll describe the book. I'll describe the book. All right, 60 seconds. Let's do it. I'm going to have to separate this out. All right. You say start. Okay, start. A plot. Jesse Ramsey is up for the lead role in the Sleeping Beauty Ballet. Uh, She auditions. She gets the role. She starts receiving a lot of threatening notes, and all of her stuff starts going missing from her locker. Uh, Stuff that says, like, "Uh, watch out, beware. Accidents start happening to her, and she keeps receiving these menacing notes. Her and the Babysitter's Club band together to figure out who the dance hall phantom is it turns out that it's one of her fellow dancers who wants to sabotage her efforts to steal the role from her b plot she catches her and dances flawlessly b plot there's a big pet show in stony brook and all the kids are uh in uh feeling very competitive with one another and they all want to win the big prize uh, which is totally unrelated to the A-plot at all. Jesse has almost zero interaction with any of the babies, and all the babies have zero interaction with Jesse. Good. Time. You know what I realize yeah. as I was reading that synopsis of Black Swan? Yeah. What's the name of the girl who terrorizes Jesse the whole time? Hillary. Hillary yeah. is probably actually the Natalie Portman character from Black Swan. Right. Like her mom too obsessed. is obsessed. Yeah. And she's just trying to live up to her mom's yeah. plans and vision for her. It's pretty intense. And she starts to crack and like 
be very violent and menacing to the people around her. Outside of the secret of Susan, mm-hmm. this is probably the darkest. Darker than like little... Christy getting fingernails in the mail? I don't mean in terms of what Hillary does to Jesse. Just in terms of the little vignettes at the beginning that set up Hillary's character. Where oh, yeah. she auditions for the part and Jesse gets it. And then her mom, who used to be a dancer, is in the car. And she's like, Hillary, did you get the part? And Hillary's like, oh, no, but I got this great uh, secondary role. And her mom's like, I I told you. Right. I told you. You'd fail. Sounds like a normal. Sounds like a normal relationship. Normal relationship with parents. Is that what what your mom is like with web content? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) More viral. (laughs) Mom, this got 300K. No. (laughs) One million views. Yeah. It got a really high CTR. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> don't that's triangulating our jobs too much <laughs> yeah we don't talk about our jobs here we don't talk about our jobs here you know what our job is serving the baby nation yes absolutely yeah we are stewards yeah to babysitters club content yeah for baby nation yeah and now a word from our sponsor better help um, a dilly dilly, my lord. <laughs> oh, hey, it's Evil Jack here. I was just workshopping some of the most evil ways to start an ad spot. Evil Tanner couldn't make it today because he's busy trying to break his previous record for how many people he can tell that they should smile more in a 24-hour period. I just wanted to give you an update on our uh, evil company, Better Help, uh, where we help evil betters to... um make small lucrative bets on extremely wicked outcomes uh, like for instance i bet that i can accidentally put my own bag on the weighing area of your self checkout at the grocery store so you have to call someone over to make the machine work again well basically since you asked it's going uh, pretty badly um, because apparently the name of our company sounds too much like the name of our sponsor, BetterHelp. See, it's pronounced completely differently. They're online therapy that will uh, pair you with a licensed therapist in no time at all. Um, and in addition to not even really sounding the same as our evil company, BetterHelp is easy to use, it's entirely online, and they are super flexible, so it's no problem to fit them into your own schedule, which is completely the opposite of how we do it. Anyway, everyone's saying that we shouldn't use the name, which causes me grief, anxiety, self-esteem, and LGBT matters. And to make matters worse, um, I can't even get therapy for this stuff because I don't believe that men need therapy because I'm evil. If you're ready uh, to give online therapy a try, though, all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bedfellows today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Bedfellows. Um, okay, so there are some superficial similarities to the film Black Swan by yeah, Darren and, Aronofsky. And as, as well as the musical Phantom of the Opera. As well as the musical Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about who the Phantom is in this book. Okay. He is this um, 
twisted man mm-hmm. who was severely burned mm-hmm. in a fire many years earlier. Okay. Um, and he is insanely jealous of anyone who kind of has the lead role in any of these plays. Mm-hmm. And he actually um, falls deeply in love with one of the leading ladies okay. from one of these ballets and kidnaps her and brings her down to the catacombs underneath the Stamford, Connecticut Civic Center mm-hmm. where he has her kind of sing for him. It, did he used to be an actor? Yeah. Uh, you know what's a true fact about me? What? I don't know the plot of Phantom of the Opera. That's it. <laughs> I just described it to you. <laughs> That's why I didn't interrupt you at all. I was like, I'm finally going to find out. <laughs> what happens in Phantom of the Opera? I just know that it's a, about it. I think it's about an opera and a man wears a mask in it. I've seen it once or twice when I was younger, and I think that's essentially the plot of Phantom of the Opera. Right. He falls in love with this woman. It's Stockholm Syndrome. He like kidnaps her, and she's like, I hate this. Wait, you're actually kind of chill. I'm going to just be down here in the catacombs with you. Um, let's talk about who the Phantom is in this book. Okay, it's um, name Jennifer. No, Caroline. No, <laughs> I'm not going to help you, Mary Beth. I'm not going to help you to the obvious answer. There's an obvious answer to that question, which is that it's Hillary. 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 The Hillary. girl who is trying to sabotage Jesse. Hillary does some fucked up shit. Yeah, they all do. Yeah, Hillary's one of the phantoms. Right. She's the phantom that gets caught. Yeah. But someone... Oh, God, I have so many theories. Okay. <sighs> Hillary is the one who Jesse Ramsey eventually manages to catch in the act. Right. Of destroying her stuff, leaving she, these awful notes. She steals her shit. She writes notes in what looks like blood, but which may end up being red pen that says, like, I'm coming to get you. Watch out. You're in trouble. And beautiful, perfect she, calligraphy. She, like, bumps into her during... No, that's Carrie. Oh, that's Carrie. one of the other phantoms. Someone else bumps into Carrie her. keeps colliding with Jesse Ramsey during practice and knocking her off her balance. Right. And then being, like, loudly saying, like, watch it, klutz. Yeah. And then Mademoiselle Noel is like, Jesse, right. why'd you do that? And Jesse's too timid to say anything. But then there's another phantom. There's a third suspect, which is Katie Beth. Right. Katie Beth is never incriminated. Which means that there are a few crimes that happen to Jesse that are never explained. Right. Yes. Such as being pushed into set pieces. Correct. No one ever confesses to that. Yep. At some point, a very heavy, deadly... Piece of scenery. Piece of scenery... Falls. ...comes careening down from the rafters and almost crushes Jesse to death. I have the quote for this. Yeah. This is when she's confronting Hillary about having been the phantom behind everything yeah jesse says all right hillary i know you fucking did it katie beth and carrie would have liked to get that role just as much as you but carrie was absent when i got a note one day and katie beth saved me when he pushed that scenery onto me scenery said hillary i didn't do that that thing fell by accident i swear i didn't want you to get hurt that badly as with all of these books where there is a phantom or some external force mm-hmm. that is attacking them. Most of the mystery is explained, but one key piece is not explained. Right. And that's the one. That's a the one. Massive piece of scenery falls and almost kills Jesse. Can I give you yeah. my theories on who it was that tried to end Jesse's life? Please. Last time we talked about this, last time we got to the bottom of this 
X factor. Who is it? Who's pulling the strings in Stony Brook? Who's the crime boss of Stony Brook? Right. Koki. Yeah. Is it Koki? No. Could be. I she think is co- often the one who's behind the scenes, you know? She's like that shadowy figure. She writes the notes. Mason? Koki Mason. Maybe it's Koki Nace? Mason. Maybe it's is she the, the one trying to kill her? Here's my second theory. Okay. And this is a little out of left field. Okay. It may have been Mademoiselle. Mademoiselle. I'd love to hear you pronounce French. It may have been Mademoiselle Noel. Okay. At some point, Jesse is struggling with all of this, visibly upset by all of this, and Mademoiselle Noel calls her up to the front of class after class and says, is everything going okay? Yeah. Jesse's like, yeah, fine. And she's like, okay, but if anything's happening, make sure to let me know. I think she's testing her. She's pushing her to her limits. She's seeing if Jesse has a breaking point. So wait, are you saying that the actual analog to this book is not Phantom of the Opera, and it's not Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan, right? But it is. Boy takes drum Boy lessons takes from drums. Mean Man. <laughs> <laughs> yep, absolutely. I think that is one plausible theory. Yeah, I think Mademoiselle Manoel is just trying to push Jesse to her breaking point to see if she can like stand up to the scrutiny of being a professional ballet dancer. Just like in the hit film, Boy takes drum lessons from Mean Man. Absolutely. Wow. Here's my third theory. Okay. There is quite a bit of, and this is way more plausible than the last one, there's quite a bit of flower magic in this book. Oh, is there flower magic? New Baby Bees. (laughs) We're not going to necessarily explain all of it. We'll give you the fucking thumbnail sketch of it if we get into it. Flower magic is something that Anne wants us to think about. This, and play this book is has it in spades. Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty pricks her thumb and falls asleep for a hundred years. She should have died. Maleficent, who may just be a creation of Disney, Walt Disney Enterprises, yes. cursed her to death on her 16th birthday. Right. But the good witch, who's unnamed, mm-hmm. says, no, she will not die. She will simply fall asleep for a hundred years. Right. Jessie gets pricked by a rose she in this book. Does. She finds a rose in her locker. And it says, careful, this rose has thorns. Yep. It's the cryptic note left with it. Mm -hmm. She picks it up, pricks herself, bleeds. It's flower magic. After that moment, everything starts getting better for Jessie. Okay. That's the turning point. She uncovers the truth. She goes and performs flawlessly. She gets a standing ovation. Yep. Here is my third theory for who's behind terrorizing Jessie. Okay. Morbid of Destiny. <laughs> it's I been a long time expecting that. since Morbid of Destiny has reared her ugly head in these books, but she's back. That is a very witch thing to do, to send someone a rose that pricks their fingers and then shit changes. It's potent with it's flower f- magic. Yeah. Okay. All and right. you, you, you're stringing me along. Furthermore. Reel me in. I think Morbid of Destiny is being Snape-like again. Ugh. I think she's protecting these girls. This again. She's protecting these girls. (laughs) She's telling Jesse, she's like, please be careful. There are forces conspiring against you, but I'm here to protect you. Every one of those notes seem cryptic, but they're always like, watch your back. Watch what you're doing today. Be careful. But it's actually like, Jesse, please watch out. The forces of the universe are conspiring against you. Okay, I strongly disagree. One of the reasons I disagree is because Morbid of Destiny is an evil witch. No, false. 
She's a good witch. Morbid Destiny is to Jesse what the good witch is to Aurora, the Sleeping Beauty Princess. Okay. She's protecting her. Good. Okay. Well, so as I mentioned to you while we were chatting before we started recording, I read today someone's doctoral thesis on different interpretations. Yeah, you also said you weren't going to bring it up. (laughs) Because it gets real dark. (laughs) On different interpretations of Sleeping Beauty throughout the ages. Um, it's really, really dark. But one of the things that comes up is that this moment of pricking your finger on the spindle mm-hmm. is a moment that is growing up for women, that's achieving adulthood, but that it is postponed. Oh, 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 oh. You're saying like... And in this particular mythology... That growing up is postponed for a hundred years. It's about fear of death. It's about fear of growing up. It's oh about God, fear of becoming Amber a woman. Theory? Are you tying this to Amber theory? I'm right tying now? this to Amber theory. <sighs> and so, what happens in this book is Jessie does prick her finger on the thorn, but when she pricks her finger on the thorn, instead of some state change happening. We just go right back to where we started. Jesse's a good ballet dancer. Everything's okay. Let's forget about the fact that someone literally tried to fucking kill her with falling scenery. See you next week. And so does my Morbid Destiny theory hold water? And does that mean that Morbid Destiny is actually the powerful mage behind keeping these girls trapped in amber? Right, which is not very Snape-like, is it? Maybe it is. Maybe she's protecting them. She's protecting them from growing up and having lives. Jack? She's protecting them from the purging fire. <laughs> How does this series end? It ends in fire. It ends this. in fire. Morbid Destiny is delaying the inevitable. New Baby the, B is the, the last heat... book in the Babysitter's Club series. is called The Fire at Marianne's House. We know Anne has laid down for us that this series ends in fire. Morbid Destiny is a protector. She is a sentinel. She is keeping these girls from the fire that will inevitably consume them. She's holding it off as much as possible. Can I bring this home for you right now? Please. Let me read you a passage. Okay. This is right after Jesse gets the rose. Mm-hmm. So everyone sees the rose and they're like, ah, oh, Jesse's got a boyfriend. Jesse's got a boyfriend. And they start making fun of her. I was totally embarrassed. I tossed the rose into the garbage and got out of the dressing room as soon as I could, trying not to listen to the teasing that was going on. Dancing the rose adagio was never quite as much fun after that day. I was always thinking of that thorn pricking my finger like a bee sting. (laughs) And of that drop of red blood appearing afterwards. (laughs) Like a bee sting, Tanner? Unlike Princess Aurora, I didn't fall asleep for a hundred years after I pricked my finger. Instead, I became more alert. She was stung by a bee. She was stung by a bee. Which lives for a week. Everything kind of comes together right in that moment, huh? Yeah. We're all on board, right? We're all on board with the the dance hall phantom is actually Morbid Destiny. 100%. We can all agree on that. Yeah. I've got more supporting evidence. I'll bring it to bear. But here's the thing. like, The structure of this book is interesting in that it talks about three different girls who could be the dance hall phantom. It's like, is it Hillary? Is it Katie Beth? Is it Carrie? And then at the end, it's like, well, it seems like it was Hillary. That's an uninteresting ending. It's obvious that the Phantom is someone else, and I'm 100% bought into the idea that it's Morbid of Destiny, yeah. particularly because of this bee sting idea. Yeah. Uh, new baby bees, 
these books are about bees. Yeah. Full stop. That's why we call you Baby <laughs> Bees. Now you know. Um, and Phantom, to me, is something... I thought a lot about Phantom and what Phantom means. You Phantom feel like is, that's become a, a code. That's a coded a code. term in the yeah. BSC universe. It's something that comes up in these books. There's the Phantom phone caller, and there's the dance hall Phantom. Phantom is an interesting word, if you think about the etymology of it. I've never have. Do you want to Confidently think? never have. You want to think about it with me now? I'll listen to you as you think about it. It is from, it's originally from the Greek root, finane. Mm-hmm. And in Greek, finane comes up a lot. Phino comes up a lot. And what it means is to shine a light on. What other words come from the root, phino? Uh, sycophant. Okay. Um, Fanatic? No. Maybe? No. Okay. Um, Took a leap. <laughs> Phantom in English yeah. means a specter or an apparition, someone who hides in the shadows. But in Greek, the root for it means to shine a light on, to reveal, to make clear. Mm-hmm. And when it goes into Latin, what that means, the Latin version of phantom, phantom, mm-hmm. phantome, means a dream. Okay. <sighs> Thank God. You said to shine a light on, to bring light. Mm-hmm. And I thought you were bringing in the Latin. I thought you were going to say one who brings light. Brings light. A Lucifer. light bringer. Yes, a light bringer. Well, look, we can explore that. My point is just that phantom is a really interesting etymology that means both to reveal, to shed light on, and in the modern usage, to hide in the shadows. So what is the phantom in this book? It's something that both reveals and sheds light, but also retreats and hides in the dark. Mm -hmm. Is that morbid of destiny? Yes. Absolutely, yes. Is that Amber theory, which is this idea that these girls advance, they move forward, they move forward, they move forward, and then their history is erased right. and they repeat themselves? Yes. Just kind of on a constant basis. Yes. Is the phantom, is it a dream? Yes. Does Sleeping Beauty dream? I, I assume so. That would suck. What does she dream of? Probably being trapped in amber forever. <sighs> this is a book that is about the fear of growing up. Uh-huh. And the fear of embracing maturity. But it is also in the context of the Babysitter's Club books. Because of Morbid of Destiny and because of Anne Matthews Martin. A book about retreating from that. Retreating back into the shadows. It sheds light and it takes that light away. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. But so much. That's not even getting into the B-plot. <laughs> There's a pet show. Because literally nothing happens there. <laughs> They delivered half a manuscript to classic lawyers, and they're like, "What is this?" The lawyers are like, "This is." They're like, "You think I'm going to fucking unhandcuff you from your desk <laughs> for these eighty pages? Write me another story <laughs> and put it in this story." <laughs> and Anne and whoever, yeah, like some. I think her name is Ellie, twenty-two year old, like college graduate. Are just like, "Yes, sir." Yeah. <laughs> Anne's like. I just wrote this beautiful, intricately crafted story that weaves in different mythological interpretations of Sleeping Beauty yeah, and talks about the fear of aging and the fear of death in the context of my books that are literally about this. And what you want me to do is put in a B-plot that's about having a fucking pet show. Yeah. You motherfuckers. Yeah. Where, uh, uh, Jamie Newton's not in this book. <laughs> The readers love Jamie Newton. I love Jamie Newton. Yeah, I love Jamie Newton. I like the pet show. Can I say? Can I yes, say real quick? Please. The pet show 
mm-hmm. led to my. <laughs> I'll cut you off guard. <gasps> <laughs> I had a tearful moment this week, and it was during the pet show. Good. And I'm sorry to just drop a tearful moment on you. No, that's how it should be done. In the middle of a discussion, but yeah. the Babysitter's Club puts on a pet show. All the kids are very competitive. They all want their pets to win. They're kind of in one another's faces. They're like, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. Becca Ramsey, Jesse's little sister, even mm-hmm. drops out because it gets too competitive. Yeah, and she doesn't want to enter Misty. Yeah, and she's like, I don't think Misty's going to win, and if she's not going to win, what's the fucking point? She's just a hamster. Yeah. Yeah. But the girls find this way around it, and all the pets are shown, mm-hmm. including Myrtle the, the turtle, turtle, Pat the cat, Pat the cat, mm-hmm. and Pow, the um, the Barrett's basset hound, Pow. Mm-hmm. And the Babysitter's Club finds a way to include all of the babies and all of the pets mm-hmm. in the award ceremony by awarding every pet a prize. Yeah. And that was my tear from my May I read it? Please. After the judging, Christy led the pet's owners to a snack table while the judges conferred. I saw Becca looking nervously as she ate a cookie and waited for the results. But she had nothing to be nervous about. Guess why? Because of my idea. This is Jesse. Here's what it was. Every pet in the show would get a prize that said something about why that pet was special. I saw a lot of happy faces when the judges announced the prizes, starting with most unusually colored pet for Frodo. (laughs) Nicky Pike used food coloring to dye his hamster Frodo green. And going on through best smelling, guess which white cat won that? Uh, The Persian cat that's a $400? Yeah, that the Delanceys the, own. They doused her in her mom's perfume. Mm-hmm. And smartest carrot won that. Carrot does tricks. Mm-hmm. Carrot's a dog. Yeah, does tricks. Funniest pet went to the triplets. The triplets dressed as a horse and submitted themselves dressed as a pony and won funniest pet. Mm-hmm. Largest pet was awarded to Shannon. Mm-hmm. Shannon the dog, not Shannon Kilborn. Right, Shannon the dog. Unfortunately, not in this episode because she's away on. Uh, oh, weird. On business. Nicest pet went to Midgey. Mm-hmm. Midgey is a cat. Okay. And Myrtle won prettiest shell. And Scott and Hanny looked proud when Pat the Cat won cutest. All of that is very sweet and nice. Mm-hmm. Here's the part that made me cry. Okay. <laughs> Pow, Barrett, mm-hmm. won shortest legs. <laughs> <laughs> There's a beautiful stuff in that section. Boo Boo. Yeah. The cat wins nicest cat. Right, nicest cat, even though Boo Boo is a even son though Boo Boo is often described. That to me would have been my tearful moment were right. I to have chosen a tearful moment from that section. Uh huh. But shortest legs. Pow one shortest legs. <laughs> I just like immediately just like oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, Pow You did it. If we were to award that right here in this room Shortest I'd be, legs? I'd be a shoe in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like all legs. I'm like 90% legs. Yeah. I bet my legs are almost as tall as you are as a person. <laughs> Do you bet that? Think about what that would mean for us hanging out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet that. That I'd be up to your butt most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you see the world. Um, that was my tearful moment. I just thought it was really sweet. It's beautiful. Um, my tearful moment, such as it is, is also from the pet show. And it's just that Marianne gets kicked out of being a judge 
at the last minute because everybody, including Marianne, realizes, even though Tigger's not in the show, that she would be too biased right. by her love of Tigger and right. end up voting for a cat. Yeah, but, I read that otherwise. I was like, she would be the mean man from Drum Boy <laughs> Takes Lessons from a Mean Man. Yeah. She'd be like, all of these animals are f- fucking failures. <laughs> Get this bullshit out of my face. Where's Tigger? Tigger wins. It's like Marianne Tigger's... Tigger wins! All you pets need to show up here at 6.30 tomorrow morning. On my beat. From the top. On my beat. <laughs> uh, can we talk about Marianne real quick? Yeah. You we... briefly mentioned that Shannon wasn't in this book. Because Shannon's never in any book. Big surprise. Right. Marianne is not in this book. Not at in all. In fact... Except in this moment. Except in the, the moment. She's her... mentioned twice. Yeah. Both times she is mentioned because she is not able to attend either plot. The girls of the Babysitter's Club mm-hmm. all join Jesse in Stamford for the dress rehearsals. They all pile into Charlie's junk bucket, and they all drive to Stamford, and they're all keeping an eye on the goings-on at the dress rehearsal to see if they can like nab Morbid of Destiny in the act. Mm-hmm. They're not able to, but Marianne couldn't make it. Right. She couldn't go with the other six members of the Babysitter's Club because she had to like babysit that day. Yeah. And then that's A-plot. And then B-plot, there's this pet show and all the girls chip in and all the girls contribute and all the girls are there except really. for Marianne, who can't come because she would be an impartial judge. That's the kind of plot point you would introduce in a TV show if an actor was like in rehab. Right. And you would create some reason why the actor is not. Yeah, in the exactly. Show. Marianne's a fictional character, though, Jack. Right. I assumed. She's a fictional character who just went through some serious fucking trauma. Yeah. You think Anne was just giving her some breathing room? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she just went through a lot. And it's weird. Because so, Logan is also not. In this here's book. the thing I noticed about this book that is that, right? Beginning of this book, they do this standard thing where they're like, Marianne's the only one to have a boyfriend. It's Logan. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. And that's it. And then at the end of this book, Jesse is like, even Logan was able to chip in on the pet show and like help babysit, even though Marianne and Logan aren't an item anymore. Like the love between Marianne and Logan died. Yeah, Jesse doesn't say that. But yeah, like she a red dwarf. Like yeah. Sinking for one last time into an ocean of pain. Yeah. Even though the light has gone out of her world. Yeah. The light bringer has disappeared, and she lives in darkness now. Right. Look, they broke up. It's over. It's over between them. Yeah. I'm fine with that. We have a new love, Christy and Bart. Christy and Bart. That's our anchor. Yeah. That's it. That's our anchor. Christy and Bart. Mimi. Yeah. Then we had the McGill's. And in her wisdom, we don't understand it. You know what? You know who we are? You and I are Job. Yeah. And Anne just keeps testing us. Yeah. She just keeps making our lives miserable. We're her favorite. Yeah. We're Anne's favorite. And yeah. she's like, oh, you know, you love Mimi? We're going to take her away. Yeah. You love the McGills? You love their love? Yeah. I'm going to take that away. Right. You love Marion and Logan? <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. I'm going to cause you so much hurt. I'm going to cause you so much hurt. And through that hurt, through that hurt, you will find meaning. You will find truth. Yeah. Thanks, and Anne. Our our love for Anne yeah. has only gotten stronger. Yeah. Our devotion to Anne, our faith in Anne yeah. 
has just gotten stronger. Maybe that's what she was saying to us with that message she wrote in the book. This is all you need to know. You're asking all these questions. Tell me this. Tell me that. Oh, my God. That is also, like, it's like God, like, she just confirmed her existence to us. She is like, I am out there. All you need to know is this. Anne M. Martin. That's it. That's it. It's so simple. Oh. You know what God said on the mountaintop? He said, I am that I am. That doesn't make any sense. He said, I am. Yeah. This is what Anne is saying to us. She's saying, I am. I, Anne. I, Anne. (laughs) That's good. That's all you need to know. Yeah, and you know what? Just keep destroying my life, Anne. Just keep taking everything away from me. Tear it apart. The fire is coming. You won't shake my faith. Yeah. You won't shake my belief. I get it now, Anne. I get it. Anne M. Martin. It's so fucking simple. We were looking for so much more. We were looking for some great fucking answer. The answer is always already there, to borrow a term from Heidegger. I Anne. I Anne. Yeah, I Anne. Anne. (laughs) Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. And Anne, thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you. That means so much. Yeah. Um, Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Pull my phone back out of my pocket. <laughs> Why are you going to pull your phone back out? We're just having a conversation. I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. Um, <gasps> no. <gasps> what, are, what are you doing? Are you, do, are you practicing your deep breathing exercises? I just want to... It's a hard-hitting question. I want to ask you the following. Yeah. Did you? Uh-huh. <gasps> Have. Did you deliberately? Did you deliberately hold that on me? Yeah. Why? Delay gratification. <laughs> For whom? Both of us. <laughs> That's something we experienced together. <laughs> this is weird today. <laughs> Did okay. you have a burn of the week? I have one that I really like. Okay. Did you have one? Sure. Sure. <laughs> Great. <laughs> You're committed. Yeah. <laughs> What's yours? All right, well, I'll do mine first. Yeah, because I think mine's pretty good. <laughs> okay. Uh, mine is just Claudia talking about one of the girls in their middle school. Uh-huh. Did you see that outfit Jennifer Cook had on today? I mean, she looked like a cross between Princess Di and Minnie Mouse. That sounds nice. Princess Di was a beautiful lady, and Minnie Mouse is a beloved character. Yeah, and my burn is kind of just on Claudia. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's like, Claudia, you literally dressed as the sea <laughs> last week. <laughs> like, somebody is wearing a mini like skirt Minnie Mouse and a tiara. slash Princess Die is conservative for yeah. you, Claudia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe that's what Claudia was making fun of. Yeah. She was like, oh, she's dressed like Tipper Gore. <laughs> she looked like a mix between Minnie Mouse and... Yeah, hats off for the Tipper Gore reference. Thank you. Baby B's over... 50. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to enjoy that one. <laughs> um, did you have a burn of the week? Yeah, I did. Yeah. What was it? Buddy Barrett and mm-hmm. Susie Barrett mm-hmm. are arguing about who will be allowed to submit POW. The, the Basset Hound. To the pet show. They're very grumpy with one another. Susie tries to cut the tension. Guess what, Buddy Barrett, said Susie. What? 
said Buddy flatly. You're a nut. <laughs> Ordinarily, <laughs> this joke gets a big laugh out of both of them, but this time Buddy just shook his head. Guess what? He said back to Susie. What? she asked. Your whole family's a nut, said Buddy. Ha ha, said Susie triumphantly. You're in my family. That means you're a nut, just like I said. And by extension, she is also a nut. Yeah, I was also a nut. Yeah. So it's a self-burn. Right. <laughs> Two burns for the price of one. Do you not feel that a burn of the week is attenuated when you have to burn yourself? It's like scorched earth. It's mutually assured destruction. Whatever it takes. <laughs> Whatever it takes to get a burnout. You know? If you have to go down with the ship, so be it. If by saying that you are a nut, I am also implying that I am a nut. Fine. It's fine. Yeah. As long as it's known that you are a nut. It, hey, Jack. Yeah. You're a nut. I'm a nut. Can I tell you something, Tanner? Yeah. I'm so glad you were not president during the Cuban Missile Crisis. <laughs> <laughs> I would just yell at the Russian dignitaries. Yeah. If you're a nut, I'm a nut. And Russia, I hit the launch button. Russia was like, you're a nut. Yeah. America was like, oh, well, you motherfuckers are nuts. <laughs> and then cooler heads eventually prevailed. Yeah. <laughs> but if you had been there, you'd be like, we're all nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I'd just be riding that A-bomb down. <laughs> Cowboy hat over my head. Yeah. Um, listen, we need to wrap up. Because, Do we? Yeah. Is it because it's 830 at night and we have a fucking another podcast to record tonight, Jack? Yeah. Um, we have another podcast that we're going to record for you, baby bees. Uh, I'm going to wrap up. I do want to say one thing before we wrap up that is about this novel. I just want to read this passage to you real quick. Mm-hmm. It's early on in the sections, which I know that you now skip. Uh huh. Where they're just kind of talking about they who do. everyone is in the baby. So in the recaps. Yeah. And they mention that Christy has a new adopted sister. Emily Michelle. Yeah. Here's how Jesse describes that. Christy's mom and Watson recently decided to adopt Emily Michelle, this two-and-a-half-year-old Vietnamese girl. Right. She's an absolute dog. I thought we could do it, man. <laughs> I thought we could get through a whole episode. You know, we we got into it earlier. We yeah. got into the chop. We got into the mess. We yeah. were nipple-deep in theory territory. Yeah. B-theory was out there. Amber Theory was out there. Yeah. Morbid at Destiny even came back. Color Magic. Yep. Oh, God, Flower Magic. That. Yeah. I thought we could get through it without doll theories. Uh, the dolls. <sighs> and well, if it's not one thing, it's another. You yeah. know what we didn't have this week? What? Dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for that. Zero mention of dinosaurs. Yeah. But Anne and her stable of recent college grads. Handcuffed to tables by the scholastic lawyers. They're just like, you're looking for dinosaur references? Yeah. You're looking at the left hand. Yeah. You're not paying attention to what that right hand's doing. The right hand is writing some serious fucking shit about dolls. She's not just a doll. Oh. Emily Michelle is not just a doll. She is an absolute doll. <laughs> and in your wisdom, you told us something today. Yep. And what you told us was that Anne and Martin is all we need to know. Right. So we're going to move ahead on that theory. Yeah. Anna Martin, you're all we need to know. We're just along for the ride. You're driving this crazy train. Yeah. We're along for the ride. Okay. Emily Michelle. It's going off the rails, but we're just here. We're just gripping to our seats. Yeah. You know what, Ann? Yeah. If you're a nut, I'm a nut. (laughs) Tanner? Yeah? Let's get the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything else you want to say about this novel? 
<sighs> Should I look over my notes? It feels like it would be just shooting ourselves in the foot. Don and Claudia cat call a guy. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing. Don doesn't think she can that he can hear her, <laughs> and he can. Then he as, looks, he's like, huh? as Charlie stopped for a red light, Don saw a cute guy walking across the street holding a newspaper over his head to keep off the rain. Woo! She said loudly, follow that guy. Don, said Christy, blushing. Stop it. What if he hears you? He can't hear her, said Claudia. The windows are rolled up. Watch. I'll prove it. Hey, gorgeous. And then the dude turns around and is like, <laughs> he's like, oh? He's oh? Like, Don't get call me. <laughs> I'm sick of this shit. This guy gets it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> He's like Stanford, Connecticut's most eligible bachelor. Yeah, because there are no eligible bachelors in Stanford. Um, You're expanding that theory to Stanford as well. <laughs> I think it's probably true of Connecticut. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> uh, that's all I've got. All right. That's all I've got. That's all I've got. Tanner, let's yeah. get the fuck out of here. No, we have to stay. We have to record another one. We have to record another episode. Baby Nation, we're going to record a special Christmas Christmas episode episode that you heard last week. That you heard last week. Fuck. Hey, listen. I've been Jack Shepard. I've been Tanner Greenring. This has been another episode of the Babysitter's Club Club. This week, we read a book called Jesse and the Dance School Phantom. And next week, we're going to read a book called something that Anne and her fucking minions have been teasing for a long time. That is called Stacy's Emergency. Mm. I wonder what it's going to be. Could be anything. Yeah. It's probably about her diabetes. Maybe she's tired of being a fucking one-dimensional person who only literally ever talks about New York. Right. We'll find out next week when we discuss Stacy's Emergency. Here's a true fact. Claudia is wearing a bra now. And the way she talks, you would think that boys had just been invented. Uh, we have some more housekeeping. Why uh, is it? There's a quick update to the Wandering Frog People game. I don't think there is one. Yep. Oh, 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 oh. Let me... There has been a couple of frog exchanges. So Jennifer was frogged by Baby B. Colin, um, but then she went ahead and reversed the frog, got Colin right back by slipping the frog into the nativity scene that they've set up in their home mm-hmm. that they share together. Tanner? Yeah. You got frogged. Do you want to talk about it? Do you want me to talk about it? My team (laughs) at work. Jack and I work at the same place, but we are on different teams. My team is totally unrelated to Jack's team. We work on different floors of the building. Um, They had to separate us. They chose to separate us. That's a true fact. We were too powerful. (laughs) Uh, We had a secret Santa amongst my team, which is a fairly small team, a handful of people. I received my Secret Santa gift last week from a woman named Kara, uh, who is a friend and a colleague. I like her very much. I liked her very much. Um, I opened up my gift. It was uh, beautiful. She gave me a card game called Never Have I Ever, which seems like it's going to be a lot of fun to play with my good friends, who don't include Kara or Jack Shepard at this (laughs) point. Uh, And then there was a very 
nicely wrapped gift included in the present as well. Um, and it was a wandering frog. <laughs> and it was from Jack. And he had surreptitiously infiltrated infiltrated our secret Santa and somehow got this frog into my hands. All right. Well, that's the update. How many winners? 7.5 billion. 7.5 billion winners and two losers of wandering frog people. We will keep you posted, Baby Nation.